Before we get started with this week's edition of the Always Pressing PGA DFS Podcast, let me let you know that it's brought to you by Draft, Draft.com. Fantasy sports fans, listen up. Did you know that your chances of winning on Draft are 80% better than on salary cap sites? That's why you need to try Draft. No more getting crushed by the pros. More than 1 million people have already downloaded Draft. Playing a real-life NBA, NFL, or for this podcast purpose, PGA Draft right now. Be done drafting in under five minutes and get paid out the day the tournament is done. The PGA version is great. You draft, you enjoy the four days, and you collect your money Sunday night. Drafts are filling every second so you can join them whenever you want. All new players, this is the catch. All new players, when they make their first deposit, get entry into a real money draft by using the promo code SD Sports. You gotta use the promo code SD Sports to get that free entry. That's right. Playing a real money draft for free by using the promo code SD Sports. But it gets even better. For some crazy reason you do not like draft, they are offering a hundred dollar money back guarantee. Just search draft in your app store or go to draft.com and come play for free right now. But you have to use the promo code SD Sports. Void or prohibited, must be 18 or older. See website for details. Offer must be redeemed within 14 days. Now, welcome to this week's edition of the Always Pressing PGA DFS Podcast. Lay. Yeah. in the building. Yeah. And welcome back, everybody, to the always pressing PGA DFS podcast. This week, previewing the U.S. Open Championship. Uh, it's going to be a good one. Big major, second major of the year in Shinnecock Hills. To help me break it down. We'll have my two co-hosts, as always. You can check me out on Twitter at bpsnow 11 Bucks. How are we doing, man? Doing really great, brother. U.S. Open week, man. Definitely, definitely. And the uh, third member of this pod, you can find him on Twitter at DFS Golf Gods. Jesse, how we doing, man? I'm doing well, dude. Uh, fresh off the near call of the century with Andrew Putnam. Yeah. Yeah, for real. Yeah, I, I had him the week before. Didn't have the balls to put on him this week, but uh, you almost nailed that one. That was okay, pretty Dustin Johnson, man. Well. That'll just that'll take us right to it. Might as well not even waste time <laughs> on the FedEx uh, recap here. You know, we, we all said it last week. Would we ever be shocked if Dustin won? No, we're not going to pay the price for him because you don't know where his head's at. But clearly, he even said it in an interview on Saturday. I wish they would have done this interview like on Wednesday. But they asked him about becoming world world number one again, and he says, "Well, all I got to do is win. It's that simple." And he just went out there that Sunday and just took it to the course. Uh, whole out eagle was amazing. Uh, any thoughts on Dustin this past week or anything else at the tournament, uh, Bucks? I mean, uh, yeah, absolutely correct. I mean, not surprised at all that he won um, and wouldn't be surprised if he won every single week. But um, it was just super impressive, man. He drove the ball well, uh, obviously hit his irons really well. He putted great. Uh, but re- what really impressed me the most, um, and I think we were correct in him trying to play a lot of the shots that he expects to see here this week, um, because you saw him pounding that driving iron um, quite a bit this past weekend. And so it was uh, pretty impressive. And 
yeah, I mean, that, that finish, that whole out eagle on the last was just bananas. It was awesome. Yeah, it's pretty damn awesome. What about you, Jesse? What are the thoughts for the past weekend at the FedEx St. Jude Classic? Yeah, I mean, the, the DJ didn't surprise me a bit coming out uh, and just basically blowing everybody away, um, especially when, you know, he almost held out two – like, I think it was two straight holes on Friday. Um, and from then on, it was just pretty much over and done with. And unfortunately, he ruined my week, but um, – you know, it, it's part of it, you know, especially when you got the arguably the best player in the world, you know, he can turn on any time and he's peaking at the right time. Yes. Yeah, no doubt about that. Coming in hot this week, he'll be the highest price guy on the draft and he's filled with points of action. Uh, Jesse, on your cat hindsight piece, why don't you let us know kind of what you found out looking at the uh, – you have a couple good things in there, actually. Uh, the – part about the FedEx and then kind of what you've seen overall with the chalk so far this year. Yeah. So uh, several things in that, in that article and I won't go into it all, but um, you know, in particular this past week, it, it was kind of a chalk slaughter in the sense that uh, for the first time since uh, the Valspar more than well, four guys exactly missed the cut out of the top 10 and tags. Um, and that hadn't basically not, it had been the most had been three since the Valspar. So basically since the second week in March. Um, and so, yeah, it, it was, it was overall just a terrible week from a chalk perspective. Um, and then I, I dove into a little bit too, like, cause I was, I was curious myself into wondering how chalky plays less than $8,000 have fared. And so far this year, since the Valspar, 74% have made the cut, um, which is a lot. So if, if they were in the top 10 in tags and then, uh, you know, they, they obviously played, then 74% of those in the top 10 who were less than $8,000 made the cut, which is pretty incredible to me. And then I also went into some uh, stuff on the U.S. Open as well for um, this week, so from last year. So it's quite a bit, but, man – Chalk has just been hitting, finally missed last week. And, of course, I was on all the chalk, so. <laughs> yeah, that's the way I felt. My five of six, it cashed, but female could have been, well, yeah. We won't go too far into that one. But uh, let's get to the U.S. Open. Let's not waste any time here. A lot of good stuff here. DJ's back to being number one. Justin Thomas is playing with a new driver this week, which always terrifies me. Um, Ricky is engaged. He made a moral, like, uh, I guess he decided he wanted to become a man now. I don't know. Uh, heck of a time to do it there, Ricky. But um, lots going on this week. Jesse, why don't you give us kind of a – it's a different course this year than it has been in years past, of course. But why don't you give us a little past event history? Yeah, so obviously this rotates around. And, and they, they did play at Shinnecock Hills back in 2004. Retief Goosen was your champion then. Uh, he shot four under that week, but it's a different course. It's been redesigned and folks will get into that here in just a little bit. But, uh, last year, Aaron Hills, Brooks Kepka was your champion year before that Oakmont, Dustin Johnson, um, 2015 saw Jordan Spieth beat Dustin Johnson on the final hole when DJ missed a four footer, uh, cost somebody a million dollars at Chambers Bay 2014, uh, Martin Keimer, was your champion in 2013, Justin Rose. Webb Simpson, you know, Rory's won. Tiger Woods has won this a few times. Uh, so it's a, it's a who's who of, of golfers. 
You know who hasn't won this? Phil Mickelson. But you'll hear that all week over and over again. Um, (laughs) Let's get into that course preview. You mentioned the renovations that have taken place in Bucks. Always brings the thunder with these course previews. So what you got, man? Yeah, man, I think – and Jesse kind of mentioned it, but the the USGA makes its return here to Shinnecock. Uh, They've held four U.S. Opens. Previously, I don't think any of them have been as memorable as 2004 when the course, mainly the greens, became so burnt out that it really was unplayable um, and really unfair. The only reason um, Retief or Phil – played as well as they did is because they made a ton of putts. I mean, a ton. Um, but this year, the USGA don't expect them to make the same mistakes. Um, the course is going to be different. It's going to look similar, but it'll play much different. Um, in 86, 95, and 2004, the course played under 7,000 yards and had fairways that were about 26 to 28 yards wide, which is pretty typical for USGA Open. Um, this year, though, they have tightened the golf course in strategic areas, mainly past 300 yards. Um, but the USGA has been really generous outside of that and keeping the fairways between 28 and 34 yards wide, which is about what you typically see on a, a normal week uh, on tour. So they're forcing players kind of into that range. Um, they're testing the longer players. Uh, forcing them to hit the ball really well. But that's why I think, like, you'll see a DJ hit that driving iron off the tee. Um, But just to put that in perspective, um, the torque measures how far somebody misses a fairway by. And uh, Ryan Armour misses a fairway when he misses it by 18 feet. He's number one on tour, uh, most accurate. Justin Thomas is 90th, um, and he misses it by 26 feet. So eight feet of difference separates number one to number 90. Um, but that just shows you how important that extra few yards really is. Um, and so a guy, and I know you mentioned this new driver, which does scare the bejesus out of me too. Um, but you got a guy like JT who hits it 330 plus, that extra couple yards potentially could be the difference between him hitting a fairway and being in the fescue. And just for reference, Justin Thomas, when he hits the fairway, is number one on tour in proximity. And so it really is a big difference. Um, but another reason why the extra few yards is important and another reason why the course is different is because they've lengthened it, lengthened it by over 400 yards. It's now playing 7,400 yards. The course is going to play firm. It's going to play fast. Um, you have to strategically place your bar or your ball around this golf course to avoid fescue and bunkering. Um, They have over 120 bunkers here. Uh, The important thing here, and this is the case for the majority of U.S. Opens, but especially here, you have to avoid the big miss. You'll see fairway bunkers. You'll see rough, but just off the rough is this unplayable fescue. Um, So if you find the ball, you probably have to take an unplayable. That's if you find the ball. But I honestly expect people to lose their ball in some of this fescue around the course. Um, But with that being said, um, once you get off the tee, I mean, that's really where you should expect to see some carnage. Um, You have to hit the fairway to give yourself a shot. Because of that extra length, the majority of the field is going to be hitting longer irons into these holes. Um, And the only players that have a chance to win are the players that can – 
control their trajectory, their spin, hit these certain quadrants of the greens. The greens are massive. Um, they have massive undulations. You have to hit the correct sections. If you miss by even a little bit, your ball can be on different shelves. It can run off the green into some large swells. Um, and then they have just some really nasty bunkers uh, around these holes. So the U.S. Open is meant to test the best players in the world, both physically, mentally, um, and to contend, you really need to do everything well, and you have to avoid the big miss. You'll see a, a lot of guys kind of in contention uh, going into the weekend, and it's the ones that avoid the double, the triple. Those are the ones that are going to be getting in contention back nine Sunday. Um, every hole and every shot matters here at the Open. And so uh, par is a really good number. Jesse mentioned it. I think it was what four under won it in 2004 yep. with uh, and I know I'll get to this in a minute, but with the weather, the way it is um, unless the course really, really dries out, I fully expect them to surpass that number, but you're going to see guys shoot 80, probably uh, mm -hmm. a lot of guys. And you'll probably see a couple really good rounds because people are going to hit fairways and hit greens and give themselves chances, but you miss the fairway and you're screwed. Same with missing the green. Okay. Um, you, you mentioned a couple things there. It, it's going to be a lot of fun. I heard uh, Phil Mickelson was quoted, I think, after his practice round today, maybe, or maybe a recent practice round there, that they've the way they've grown that rough, like you mentioned, so much that you can't even hack out of it. It is He said it's the craziest rough he's ever seen here, and he, he said it's one of the better U.S. Open setups he's ever seen, like the way it's built. It's friendly yet harsh, yeah. and he really, really, really likes exactly. it. Exactly. This is, I think, and we'll see how it plays out, but it really does look like a great U.S. Open setup where they are generous and give you every mm -hmm. opportunity to hit the right spots. Yep. But if you play aggressive and screw up, you're just done. And if you, I know you guys have seen it, but the, the guys, people watching, I posted a video earlier on my Twitter account of uh, somebody on, on site today and basically he showed from fairway to rough. Like there's no fringe. There's no first cut. You go from fairway to just nasty, gnarly rough. Um, and so hitting the fairway is definitely at a premium this week. Yeah. So like you mentioned, very long course, par 70, only a couple of par fives. The scoring will be interesting. We'll want to look at uh, finishing position almost a little more than the DK scoring this week, unless the conditions are good, like you mentioned. But uh, before we get into the weather, I just want to let everybody know, unlike other tournaments, it is a full field of like 156, but it's only 60 make the cut and ties. So exactly. no 10-shot no rule like the Masters, no usual 70-cut line like we're used to. Something else that's a little different, though, there's no uh, no cut after – there's no possible 54-all cut, no MDF-type rules yep. at this tournament. So keep, keep that in mind. So a little bit different. So if you think about 156 golfers, 60 or so make the cut – it's even harder to get the six of six through. And Jesse mentioned a lot of that in his article. You guys remember week. how many got six of six last year? Well, I read your article, so I won't say it. Two <laughs> percent or something, right? It was about two percent, and there was less than ten percent at five of six. Yeah, that's so, crazy, man. But last year, seven of the top ten owned missed the cut. I think it's six or seven. Either way, it was bloodbath. Yeah. I, 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 for some reason, I'm fully expecting. Like, like last year you said seven of the top ten missed cut. I'm fully expecting this week for like 
not chalk, but like the elite to stand out, be there this week. Like I feel like the cream is going to rise this week. Yeah, and it, yeah, I, and I I I tend to agree with that. But you know, I mean, last year Dustin missed the cut, Rory missed the cut, Day missed the cut, Ron missed the cut. Um, yeah, that was just carnage. <laughs> I did not, you know, we didn't expect that going into last year. I would just I like to see something that we don't get to see every week where these guys go out there and they struggle a little bit. And, uh, and, and six to six is less than, you know, less than 5%. And it's, if you get six to six, you're making some good money. Yeah. All right, Bucks, you kind of hinted at the weather and we've seen a bunch of reports. What are you looking at right now? Yeah, man. If, and again, I I tweeted this link out earlier, but just go to uh, Wonderground. They have a station at the clubhouse at Shinnecock. So you can't get any closer than that. Um, but it's literally like low to mid seventies all week. Wind is five, 10 miles an hour. So nothing crazy. And there's a small chance of rain on Friday evening. And so if it rains from Friday to Saturday and it softens the course up a little bit, I fully expect people to take advantage Saturday. Uh, but if it doesn't, and they don't touch this rough, and they cut and roll the greens um, and keep them dry, then I expect the weekend to play just hellaciously hard. And and Jesse's right. Like, this is the event you want to see the best players in the world struggle. And I, I honestly believe it's going to come from the greens. Like, I, I think that if the wind is down this week, the only uh, – defense really is around the greens and the greens and that speed. So have, uh, what does that have either one of you heard about green speeds and what they're rolling at right around 12? Yeah. I, I heard somebody throw out 12, somebody throw out 13, but I fully expect them to get to 13 for the start of the event. Who knows though? I think it'll depend on the wind. I mean, right now yeah, looking at exactly. the wind forecast, it looks like, you know, AM PM could have a bit of an advantage because um, it, it looks like the worst winds are going to be Thursday afternoon. For sure, when I say yeah. worst, I'm talking 14 miles an hour. I'm not talking anything crazy, but, so it's not a huge deal, but that's something to consider. But if you tee off, and I don't know what you're looking at, but if you tee off at 9 o'clock and it's 5-mile-an-hour winds, or right. 1 o'clock at 15-mile-an-hour winds at Shinnecock where there's zero trees, that's right. a huge well, not only that, but it's going to dry the golf course out, too. So, yeah, I mean, I, dude, I'm all about weather underground. Actually, every time I type it in, it goes to Oakmont. <laughs> That's how long I've been using it. <laughs> That's outstanding. Yeah, one last thing on that. I heard um, the, if it does get windy, it kind of helps the non-bomber so much. Cause what I saw was the longer holes have the wind behind you most of the time on those courses or on this course. Yeah, so that's something else to keep in mind. I might kind of switch up the field a little bit, but that's a lot of guessing game that we'll need. We'll have a better answer here, you know, Wednesday night probably. All right, with all that being said, Jesse, what are some of the key stats you're looking at this week? Yeah, some driving distance. Uh, you know, you got to get off the tee, in my opinion. You, you got to be able to hit it long ways as well. Um, greens and regulation, like usual. And then – Really, bogey avoidance and scrambling are my two other key stats this week. Um, looking at a little bit of par four scoring as well, but those are pretty much the gist of obviously no course history, so I'm not really waiting that. I mean, you could, but I don't think it's worth anything this week. What about you, Bucks? Yeah, pretty similar. I mean, um, 
so I, I didn't mention it because I was going to mention it here. This is a par 70, so you only have two par fives, a bunch of par fours, um, and you have a ton of the par fours, um, seven in total that are over 450 yards. And so you do have to wait um, driving distance a little bit, like Jesse said. Um, but the key stats for me, I'm definitely looking at DK scoring. Um, not as high on it. I think I've moved the percentage over to bogey avoidance. Um, but really, because you're looking at all facets of the game, I have strokes gained tee to green, strokes gained around the green, strokes gained putting. Um, and I'm really focused on those that are trending in the right direction as far as form goes uh, as well. So um, this morning, I... I pulled data on the last 50 rounds, 24 rounds, 12 rounds, and eight rounds, and tried to find the guys that were trending up um, in those key stats. And so th those are what I'm working with. What about you, Bubba? Yeah, I'm looking at kind of the, your good ball strikers, the accuracy. I do want the driving distance, like you guys mentioned, but accuracy is key to me. If it takes 20 yards off, I'll take the accurate shot over the other. Um, and then your fact on the uh, par fours over 450, I'm looking at par four scoring guys that can get it done on the par fours and then bogey avoidance would be my last one because it's going to be um, some low scoring if the weather isn't right, as you guys already mentioned. So it can be really, really interesting. Uh, one last thing before we get started, our guys at Fanshare, as we've talked about, they have a lot of new tools you can check out. Check out so go look at that. You can look at past um, how projected stats and ownership rankings turned out to be reality and all that good stuff. But some things I wanted to bring up, if you want to talk current form, your top 10 guys in their last three events combined, average DraftKings points in this field. You got DJ, of course. You got Justin Rose, Jimmy Walker, Brooks Kopka, Jason Day, our boy Emiliano Grillo, who we will talk about later because that pricing is silly. Um, John Rahm, Brendan Grace, Leishman, and Justin Thomas. If you want to take it back six rounds, it's pretty much the same guys except Bryson DeChambeau and Hendrick Stenson jump in the top 10 for you. So a couple guys to keep in mind there. And then just a quick rundown of last year's top 10 tags uh, at the U.S. Open. It was DJ, Kisner, Scott, Fowler, Rom, Spieth, Usti, Rose, Thomas Peters, and Brendan Grace. And you're hearing a lot of those names already this week. So um, keep an eye on that. And they're already updating tags on the site. You got – DJ's leading the way already tagged almost 30 times. I won't go over the whole thing. you got to pay for that. But uh, there's a lot of really uh, good info, as always, on Fanshare. So go check them out. There's new info. They're putting new tools on there every week. So well worth the price of admission. All right. Let's get into the DraftKings picks for the week. We'll start at the 10K and above. you got DJ at 11.7, McElroy at 11.5, JT at 11, Spieth at 10.8, Jason Day at 10.6, Fowler at 10.2, Bucks, where are you looking at at the 10K and above? Yeah, there's um, a few guys, and and we talk about it every single week. This is a range that I typically avoid. Um, but because the pricing is so soft for this event, it's hard not to get up here and take the guys that you truly are a fan of. So the three guys that I really like in this range, and I'll, and I'll rank them in order, Dustin Johnson, 11-7, obviously the most expensive guy. He won last week. I don't think that's going to affect his ownership. Like, I still think he's going to be 20, 25% because the pricing's so soft. It's easier to get up here. 
Um, but he smoked everyone in Memphis. He's first in DK scoring, second in Tita Green, and fifth in bogey avoidance. Uh, then Jason Day. And he's the guy that I keep wanting to go back to. One, he's 1200 bucks cheaper than Dustin Johnson, but not only is he a good ball striker, um, second in, he's second in around the green, second in bogey avoidance, but he has been putting lights out for a while now like all season. And so at a course where I think that putting is going to be a massive difference maker, especially when you figure you're going to have to scramble and make putts from 15 feet and in quite a bit, Jason Day stands out to me and I love it. Um, Justin Thomas is 1100. He, like I mentioned earlier, he's first in proximity from the fairway, seventh in DK points, eighth in T to green. Like Bubba mentioned, uh, he did change up his driver this week. Now, he's been playing it for a yes, while. Like, he's been hitting it. So, it is what it is. But he's not playing U.S. Open conditions every week. So, it is a little bit different. That is something to keep an eye on. Um, but I do like Thomas. So. But you, Jesse? Yeah, the, I mean, the Dustin Johnson narrative, I, it, he, it's either going one of two ways. Like, everybody's going to – just hop on and ride him. He's going to be 35% or people are going to be afraid of him being 35% and fade him and, and he'll be closer to 20. Um, I tend to lead in the, the 35%. I mean, it's hard to argue with a guy who is uh, playing as well as he did, especially last week. Now that's kind of for him on the season, a, a flash in the pan. I mean, not to, downplay his finishes but for Dustin Johnson it's not been that great of a year I mean he's been trending a little bit better over the last few weeks so I get that um and he's he's head and shoulders above everybody else in my model like it's not even really close to the next person he's number one um so I I totally get the the Dustin Johnson and like I'll probably roster him um I just can't see fading him uh so yeah, I, I, I get that. My next pick probably would be Rory. Um, in this range, I think just out of ownership perspective, he'll be the guy between JT and DJ, who who garners the least amount of ownership besides maybe Spieth. I like Day. Um, I'm not gonna have any Ricky at all whatsoever. Probably won't have any Spieth at all unless it's just a complete ownership play. But I can see his ownership being up there. Because everybody's like, oh, no, nobody's going to play Jordan Spieth, and then he's still 20% owned. Um, I would like to see a Dustin Johnson versus Justin Thomas walking down 18, winner, whoever makes a birdie wins. Those are my two favorite plays besides Rory. Just do that. DJ holds out for Eagle. Yeah, then DJ holds out for Eagle. (laughs) Maybe he walks off crying. Yeah. Oh, that'd be amazing. Uh, the two guys I'm looking at up here is DJ at 11-7. It's everything you guys said. I don't have to really say too much more to that. But um, I, mean, I am worried that the ownership is going to be way higher than normal because, like you guys said, you can put anything together here. That's why I kind of want to do my normal setup and stay in the 9Ks and below, and it might actually be different this week. Oh, you will. Um, you will be. I guarantee yeah, it. For sure, yes. Yeah, that's why I think I might just stick with what's working. But um, if it's not DJ, I do like Justin Thomas, and yes, I am nervous about the driver because – I, as I said to people on Twitter last night when I saw this, is not that JT can't do it. And obviously, I know he's probably played dozens of rounds with this driver. It's not a new driver to him. It's just new to this kind of atmosphere. And we've seen guys do this in the past, and it does not turn out well. 
I don't. I think the the, uh, the goods are way way less than the bads. So uh, I do like JT. I think he's a great player when he's on. He's heck. He was number one before last week. So um, DJ and Thomas be the two I'm looking at at top, but likely staying away. And Spieth, I still don't know how he's ten thousand eight hundred dollars. Don't get it. Nine um, K range. You got Rose at ninety nine hundred. He was the favorite to win the Masters by everybody, and everybody's starting to like him again this week as he's coming in red hot. You got John Rahm at ninety five. Tiger Woods at ninety two, and the defending champion Brooks Kopka. At $9,000. Jesse, who you like in here? All four? I mean, what? Yeah. why would you put four guys in the $9,000? That's where they screwed up. It's awful pricing in this range. I mean, there's uh, whatever. So, you know, probably in order, Rom, Rose, Kepka, Tiger. I'm not going to have any, probably any Tiger at all, except for I started playing Yahoo last week. I don't know if you, either one of you have jumped on there. But they have Tiger at like half the price of DJ. So like their pricing is really strange. DJ's $45. Tiger's like $27. So I think he's got some merit. Like if you're looking over there um, yeah. on DraftKings, I don't I don't see it. Too many drivers for me. Um, I might skip this range altogether though. Just because I, I like guys above and below. So I, I, and, you know, a lot of people might end up doing that, too, so there could be some low-end plays in here. What about you, Bucks? Yeah, there's there's two guys in this range that stand out to me. Um, Justin Rose, I mean, I don't, I can't fathom a world where you put him at 9,900 and Jordan Spieth at 10-8. Yep. Uh, but Very he's insane, insane value here. Uh, second in DK scoring, first in Tita Green, eighth in Around the Green, He's just a solid all-around player, and I, I like him. And then my favorite guy behind DJ um, is Brooks Kepka. Uh, third in DK points, first in bogey avoidance, and seven, seventh in strokes game putting. Um, and this is all at, like, last 12 rounds, but I really like the way his game is rounding in a form heading into this week again. He did the same thing last year. Um, so I like both of them. The one guy that I am not a fan of, and it, it's hard to it's hard to argue any of these guys, but the one guy that I am fading in this range is going to be John Rahm. Okay. I agree completely with Justin Rose's take. I think he's one of my favorite guys. He's probably the top-priced guy that I really, really want to get behind up here at 9900 bucks. Everything he said is dead on. He's just been playing lights out and uh, can definitely suit this course well. Uh, Brooks is another guy I like a ton. He's got great quote-unquote U.S. Open history, and he's actually played pretty well. He kind of faded on Sunday of this past weekend, but overall he's been playing some much better golf than I thought with the wrist, and I'm waiting till now to possibly use him. John Rahm, I think, could be an interesting GPP play. I agree with everything you said, Bucks, because the mental midget that is John Rahm, this course could eat him up and spit him out real quickly. <laughs> but he's also a guy we've seen that if he is dialed in, he missed the cut last year by one stroke, I think it was. So it, it, you know how close things went and turned there. John Rahm was just a, a few miscues away last year. So 
he could be an interesting GPP play, but Rose would be the guy I'm looking at here in this 9K range. We take this brief break in the always pressing PGA DFS podcast to talk to you about Rotoware, one of the greatest shirts in fantasy sports. They have DFS shirts, fantasy season long, all kinds of great shirts. They're the best quality shirts in the industry. No other brand can compete with Rotoware in terms of quality, premium blend fabric, super soft, comfortable, athletic fit shirts, specialized printing process, designed as part of the shirt, literally dyed bleached into the fabric, no thick ink it's ridiculous the amount of options you can find over 30 different designs fantasy football baseball hockey basketball dfs they keep coming out with more and more and more stuff men's women's kids you name it they've got it there's lots of buzz kicking up in the fantasy industry about it people are wearing these shirts they're representing the shirts they are great quality shirts and you can have one too you can have more than one as many as you want just use the promo code dgens d-e-g-e-n-s dgens for 20 percent off your order go to rotoware.com or go to at Rotoware on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Check out what they have. They're giving away free shirts all the time on Twitter. But when you go to purchase, use the code DGENS, D-E-G-E-N-S, for 20% off your order. Now back to the always pressing PGA TFS podcast. In the 8Ks, we have Matsuyama, Stenson, Garcia, Mickelson, Reed, Grace, DeChambeau, Watson, Fleetwood, and Casey. A uh, couple that I am looking at here, Henrik Stenson, absolutely love them. A, a key thing I like is people think bombers. So Stenson, there's three woods out. Well, A, he hits a three wood a mile. B, B, um, you mentioned, you know, after about 300 yards, they start changing things. Oh, funny. You can drop that three wood in right about that range or a little short of that and be just fine. He's a great irons player. Everything checks the boxes with Stenson, 800 bucks, coming in in really good form. Um, I think he's a great play here. Phil Mickelson, you guys mentioned, you know, he finished runner up here in 04. He's back to playing really good golf this year, and a motivated Phil is not the worst thing in the world. So, and he wore his black long sleeve shirt today, so maybe that's out of the wardrobe for the weekend. So that's really good to see. Um, so Mickelson '86 is worth a look, and then you got Fleetwood and Casey at the bottom. Fleetwood, we saw what he did at uh, Aaron Hills last year, and he's just kind of been putt putting around, but still hanging around top 20s or better every time he makes the cut. And we know he can contend with anybody when you talk about irons into the greens. And approach shots, Fleetwood's one of the best out there, 8100 bucks. And then Paul Casey, it's criminal that he's this cheap. He's a, he's a top 20 player in the world. He's $8,000, getting disrespected like no one's business. Like outside of Rose, Casey might be one of the other mispriced guys in this field, pretty bad mispriced. So uh, Stenson, Mickelson, Fleetwood, and Casey. And Casey's going to be chalk as hell, but uh, I'm okay with that because I'll fix it up somewhere else. But those are the four I'm targeting in the $8,000 range. Jesse, who are you liking around here? Yeah, the uh, I, my deal with with Stence is, I mean, obviously his tee to green game is like probably the best, but I watched him putt last week and it pissed me off. So I think I'm not going to be on him this week. I think Hideki's a good pivot there because I think Brooks and and Henrik both will get a lot of ownership. Hideki not necessarily playing in most people's minds the best golf, but he's hitting a ton of fairways and still hitting it really far. Um, recently so I, I think he's a good pivot there in that in that range uh, my favorite play in the eight thousand dollar range is bryson dechambeau um coming off the win at the memorial uh, another guy hitting a lot of fairways can get it out there um if he can just keep the short game going a little bit make some putts i, I think he's got a really good shot this week obviously paul casey i don't even need to talk about him Fleetwood's putter kind of concerns me a little bit. Um, 
again, but you know, I, I think he's definitely a good play. Eighty one hundred. Paul Casey's obviously he's pro- Paul Casey's probably going to be the most the the highest owned guy on the slate. He'll probably be thirty five forty percent owned, especially in the bigger money tournaments like in the Millie. He'll still be chalky at twenty five percent, but if you're like in the four forty four, I mean any of the single entries, the three maxes, he's going to be really 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 high owned. So. You know, it, fade him at your leisure there. Um, but, I mean, that, that's definitely going to happen. I think Brandon Grace is an all right play. Not a huge fan, um, but he's he's in there as well. And one guy who nobody's talking about is Patrick Reed. Um, I don't what's mind he, him. What's he done this year? <laughs> he hasn't done much but win the Masters. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't mind Patrick Reed. I think he'll go under-owned at 8,500 there between Phil and, and a few other guys. So, I mean, he might not be a bad pivot. Um, I don't know what's wrong with Sergio, so I'll have none of him. So I talked about everybody except for Bubba, who I'm not on as well. Bucks. Yeah. Do you like him, Bucks? <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, the, the three favorites for me are, are Mickelson, Casey, and Grace. Um, Phil Mickelson is in form, has history here. He knows the layout. Obviously, it's a different course, but he's familiar Fourth in DK scoring, second in putting on fast greens, um, and then ninth strokes game putting for Phil. Casey is top 15 in almost every category. $8,000 is terrible. I think yeah. that he will be 35-ish, 40% owned probably in, like, the 1,500, the Dome this week, that kind of thing, like, crazy. Um, and then Brendan Grace, he hasn't missed a cut all year, so the dude's consistent. Um, obviously, the U.S. Open is different, but he's still just all around a good player. And then, yeah, Jesse, you mentioned fading Sergio Garcia. The dude has just been awful since the Masters. I mean, yeah. 85th in DK points, 57th in bogey avoidance, and 97th in strokes game putting. So um, I am all about fading Sergio until he actually, like, starts playing golf again. Yeah, I agree with you there. Sergio, seems like after he won the Masters, he kind of put-putted around a little bit, showed up once in a while, but now it's just – he had the baby, and it's kind of disappeared. So let's get into the 7K range where it's absolutely locked and loaded with, <laughs> with a lot of really good guys. Like I say it's sarcastic because there's a ton of guys, but there's a lot of ways you could – this is where you differentiate yourself. If you want to play Paul Casey, Fine. Pivot around here. They can do a lot of damage here. So Jesse, give us some that you're liking in the seven K. Yeah, there's just a billion, a billion plays here. Um, it's it, it. A lot of this, like in this range, as usual, will come down to ownership for me. But guys that I do like, I think Adam Scott. God, if if the guy could just, I hope he's bringing the broom putter and he's just brooming it around all week long. Because if he is, I think he's got a decent chance to get to the top 20 here. He was he was practicing um, with the short putter this week or today. He was practicing with the short one? Oh, God. That answers that question, boys. Next. Yeah. I mean, no, if sorry. that's the case, I don't want any of Adam Scott because I will not tilt myself all weekend watching him miss <laughs> Well, we know you're going to tilt yourself with someone else. Oh, and well, Adam for sure. And but at least, it won't, at least it'll be a new guy. So moving on down the list, um, I think Norin's an all right play at 7,900. He's he's been okay here recently. His putter, if I mean he's got he like goes through these streaks with his putter where he's hot and cold, and um, 
maybe he's he's back on going now. But uh, Molinari's in play. I like Finau a lot. Now, I was thinking that coming off the missed cut, Tony Finau would potentially garner less ownership. But at this price, I don't think so. The last time he missed a cut was at the Valspar at the Houston Open. He actually had a price discount and he almost doubled his ownership from the week before. Um, the lowest he's been this week besides – or this year besides uh, the Masters when everybody thought he was just going to bum it around on one ankle and he ends up top ten in um, was at the Players' Championship and – you know, he still made the cut. So and that was at 16%. So, I mean, he's probably going to be chalky, but I, I, I do like him to bounce back this week. Um, Keimer, I think, is in play. I think he'll be low-owned. I think he's a good pivot off of Finau. I like Poulter a lot. I'm on Jimmy Walker, even if he doesn't mark his ball. You know, that's one of the things. Like, I don't care if you don't mark your ball because you get to replace it if I'm playing you. Um, so I'm good with that. Um, let's get the wife off Twitter. Uh, (laughs) just banner on Twitter Uh, Luke List I'm on a bunch of ball strikers down here Uh, Kyle Stanley I like him quite a bit Grillo I'll leave the I'll leave the analysis on him up to you Uline um, is another guy who I think is okay at 7100 I'd rather have Grillo over Uline but Grillo will probably get more ownership Um, so those are my guys in in the 7000s Lots to like here. Bucks, who are you targeting in the 7K range? Yeah, I mean, as usual, it's just freaking loaded. Um, I And one more thing about Adam Scott. He bagged his caddy this week, and he's going with a local caddy. Yeah, it makes no sense. What so, the hell is he doing? I did not hear that. Yeah, going with a local dude. Yeah, between that and the – he was practicing with the short putter today. That doesn't mean he won't show up tomorrow with the long putter. But that matter. Like, why even why even bring the short putter out? So when he breaks the first one, he has a backup plan. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I, I'm uh, like 100% fade on Adam Scott. Uh, but there are a lot of guys here, man, that are really, really solid value. Ustazen is the first one up here that I really like. Um, been trending in the right direction. Uh, playing really well. He's first in strokes gained around the green over the last 12 rounds. Um, and then you have Webb Stimson, who uh, he gr- grinds at U.S. Opens. He is a good fit for the course. He is super hot with his putter like he's been all year. Seventh in bogey avoidance, 13th tee to green, and then fourth in strokes gained around the green. At, around the green. Jesse, you mentioned Ian Poulter and Jimmy Walker. I love both of them. Um, I mean, they're probably my two of my three favorite guys in this range. Um, getting down lower, though, um, I do, like you said, mention uh, – I do like Ian Poulter, and then I'll, I'll let Bubba get to him. But Grio, them adding Grio and on at these prices today, <laughs> like 1 p.m., changed everything that I was looking at. Like, it mm-hmm. was – I was fully expecting – Grew to be like seventy seven hundred bucks, and I had to figure out which of him, Walker's, uh, Webb Simpson, Cooch that I had to play. But luckily, they threw him down here. Um, and then the one guy that I've heard a couple people talking about this week, uh, but I am not sure why. But I'm fading him pretty hard. Is Brian Harmon? He over his last 12 rounds, he is 75th in DK scoring, 94th in tee to green, and 110th around the green. 
Um, so he is a guy not trending in the right direction, which is tough since he played so well earlier this season. Um, but I am fading him hard. What do you got, Bubba? Yeah, I like Usti just like you guys do. Uh, he's actually playing really well for the most part, which is crazy thinking Usti's a guy I've been fading for so long. But I do like him quite a bit. Uh, Webb Simpson is definitely on the radar. Bucks has changed me into a Webb guy. Uh, I don't think either of you mentioned Keegan Bradley because, yes, he's terrifying, but he's playing <laughs> really good golf. He's making cuts, and he's, for the most part, had a good history at the U.S. Open. So he's a guy I don't he's mind. Again, Yeah, he's a great ball striker. His putting's the part that makes you want to – if I had any hair left, I'd pull <laughs> yeah. it out. But uh, Bradley's that guy, um, great ball striker. So he actually makes this course really well. I think he's a great pivot because everyone's going to go to Kuchar at 76. So Bradley at 76 I think can be a really solid uh, attempt there. I do like the Finau call quite a bit as I am still tilted off of last week, but uh, he is in play at 75. Um, go a little farther down. I do like uh, Jimmy Walker and uh, Cabrera Bello at 7,200. I do like him quite a bit. Luke Liss is one of my favorite plays down here. You mentioned him, Jesse. I think that's an outstanding look for you there at uh, 7,200. Um, Kyle Stanley at 72. You were on him last couple, a couple weeks ago. Another good ball striker. You mentioned ball striker, ball striker. You got Grillo at 71, who I absolutely do love. As um, we were talking about, this price is just redonkulous. It's 7,100 bucks. 17 of 17 cuts made here. He pretty much checks every box you're looking for on this course. Everything you want. Ball striking, accuracy, gets off the tee well. He gets around the green, plays pretty well. He's not really bad in any category you look at. So it's like, okay, at 7,100 bucks, I've got a guy that – I'm pretty confident, you know, a lot of weird stuff can happen in golf, is going to make the cut for me. And he's a guy at 7,100 that can contend, you know, t- top 15 or something for you. This guy, between him and Casey and even Justin Rose, it's just crazy. Like, it's crazy pricing. Um, uh, ZJ is another one of those seven – what was that, Bucks? I said I think that will be a, a really, really popular stack. Yeah, I think it will be too. That's why I hate it because I want to play it. But I think it's like <laughs> – career suicide if you do that kind of thing because yeah long story there. but um zj at 71 could be a nice pivot off of that he's nothing impressing he doesn't fly, like, jump off the page at you but he's a cut machine and he's a grinder like you mentioned with web zj is another one of those grinders and good ball striking and he somehow finishes when he makes cuts he'll finish somewhere on the leaderboard where you do remember his weekend so at 7100 that's a guy you're looking for so those are some of the guys i'm looking at there's many many more you can dig into and a lot of great pivots as both you guys have mentioned Definitely a good uh, area to check ownership as the week goes on. Let's jump into the 6K range because it's a a loaded field. We have some really good players here. And there's one guy I really, really like. um, I'm going to say Ches Revy first. Now you guys can go. Um, (laughs) Bucks. My picks usually get taken, so I had to get it off my chest. Bucks, who do you like in the 6K range? Well, Ches Ribby was going to be one of the guys I mentioned. <laughs> I'll leave it alone now. Um, my favorite play here is um, by far Steve Stricker. Yeah. Love Steve Stricker this week. I think he'll be super popular. But I'm super – I mean, I really – I am so glad that they put on at that price because he will take some of that ownership away. Not a lot of it, but um, – when you have on Revy, Lucas Glover, uh, Piercy, Russell Knox, those type of – Gary Woodland, Dylan Fratelli, all of those guys are 69 $6,800. Um, I don't think any single guy down here is going to be super high owned. 
Um, so I love Steve Stricker this week. Charles Howe III is another guy I like. Russell Knox I like. Braden Thornbury, I'm going to ride him again this week because um, I think his game is solid. He's a great putter. Um, I think that Matt Jones is another guy. And then uh, Harold Varner III is popping on my model. And I typically hate playing him because we talked about it earlier. Like, this is the co- this is the course, this is the event that you have to avoid the big miss. That dude is a roller coaster. And so he scares the living daylights out of me. But if I'm in uh, mass entry, big GPPs, I need some flyers, he would definitely um, be one of them. And then the last guy I'm going to mention down here um, is – uh, down at 60. No, I can't even find him. He's so far down here. It's ridiculous. Oh, it's 6,000. Dean Burmester. Yeah. I mean, the guy played really, really well for a long time. And for 6K uh, at a, on a guy that plays Euro events and kind of familiar with this type of setup, um, yeah, it opens the door for you pretty much doing whatever the hell you want with the other five picks. So what do you guys like? What do you got, Jesse? Yeah, I'm on Stricker. Uh, Glover is another play at 6,900 past uh, U.S. Open champion. Um, You know, down here, I don't know how much I'll get down below 7,000, but like you said, it does open the door to a lot of different things. If you're going stars and scrubs, it's very possible uh, to fit in quite a few guys up top with a few of these guys down low here. Ben on, obviously, 69. Woodland's popping on my model. Um, I don't really know how or why, but either way, um, five straight missed cuts, and then finally made the cut, finished 23rd at the Memorial, um, hit a lot of uh, greens regulation, and, and drove the ball really well that week. So maybe he's figured something out, and, and he's a steal for his pedigree at $6,900 in this field. Um, Matt Jones, again, like you mentioned. Burmeister is, is a guy who is, you know, kind of high up on the model as, as well as Herbert, uh, Lucas Herbert, Hebert, whatever he's like, 6,000 as well. My issue with those two are is just their accuracy off the tee. They really freak me out. Um, like over, you know, Burmeister's hitting like 55% of his fairways in regulation recently, and, and Herbert's about the same, like a little bit worse at like 43%. So they scare me a little bit as far as that goes. But, I mean, like, like Bucks just mentioned, it opens up the door to a lot. Um, but my main focus this week is going to be trying to just get six guys through the cut and see what happens. And yep. um, I just don't have a whole lot of faith that these two or really anybody down here can get through the cut. Um, obviously, been on and Stricker, I would like if I was if I was doing max entry, I would have been on Stricker probably you know five to ten percent of my lineups. Yeah, you don't hate those at all. I do like Stricker quite a bit. Like you guys already hit on, I, I already mentioned Reevee, T16 and Aaron Hills. People are trying to compare to Aaron Hills. Obviously, the fairways are a massive difference and potentially weather. But uh, he is playing okay golf, T6 last week. So at that price tag, at least I know he can contend. Um, you mentioned Stricker. Uh, Brennan Steele at $6,800 is a guy I like as well. He can. Uh, he's played good at the U.S. Open. He uh, is a guy that can hit that three wood and stay in play. So he's a guy like you mentioned CH3 and then um, was it Hibert or Herbert, whatever we decided to call him at 6K <laughs> would be the punt. I, I'm horrible at that. I apologize to any of our English listeners. Um, 
But, um, yeah, those are the kind of guys I'm looking at there. But um, it does open up the doors and definitely allows for your DJ lineups and all that good stuff, as you guys mentioned. So it'll be interesting to see ownership this week because it'll be way different than weeks past. Yeah. But, all right, that wraps up the price-by-price breakdown on DraftKings. Let's get into some more detailed stuff here. Let's look at the punts this week. Bucks, who are a couple punts you're looking at? Um. Harold Varner's one, Braden Thornberry's another one. I like both of them as really cheap punt options, and then obviously Steve Stricker. Love him. What about you, Jesse? I mean, there's a there's a few more down below six or seven thousand I didn't mention. Matt Wallace is one at sixty nine. Um, who I don't mind. Trey Mullinax, another guy at sixty eight hundred. He had a really good weekend last week. Um, and finish sixth, and he gets it off the tee. He, I mean, he can move the ball. Accuracy is a little bit of an issue with him. So, you know, Millie Maker type of lineup, Mullinax, I don't think is a necessarily a terrible play. My punts I like, I mentioned Reedy and Steele be the two I'd be going down below with here. Bucks, who's your bust for the week? Pretty sure we'll all be on the same guy. Yeah, well, I don't know. I mean, th- there's several that I really do think are, are big busts. Obviously, Spieth, I mean, that honestly, for anybody that looks at form and stats, that should be everybody's fade this week. Like, 10-8 for a guy that's playing that bad, um, and not just playing bad, but putting bad. Um, I can't possibly fathom playing him at that price. Uh, but my other fade this week, and this is, I guess, more of a, a bolder call, is going to be John Rahm. Okay. I like that as a bolder call. Uh, Jesse, what about you? Yeah, um, Fowler's my fade, and I, I want nothing to do with Rookie this week. Mine is the obvious one in Spieth. Outside of that, uh, Tiger Woods is my fade well, of the week. Let me ask you guys, did you guys see when he proposed in black sweatsuit on the beach? <laughs> When you're when you're Ricky Fowler, you can do whatever you want. Apparently, fuck it. All right, all right. Okay. <laughs> hey, she said yes, and I'm pretty exactly. Sure I'm I'm with, think she knew. I think she saw those videos from a couple years back of a bunch of half naked guys playing golf in the Caribbean, and realized, okay, if I got a sweatsuit, I got an upgrade. I guess. <laughs> I guess. Uh, and the size of that rock, I think she would have done it if he was wearing a thong. Yeah, so. yeah really. Um, Bucks, give us some core players for you this week. Um, this is tough for me. Um, but right now I would say DJ, I would say probably Poulter or Webb, and then Steve Stricker. What about you, Jesse? Um, Bryson for sure. Um, and pro- most likely Paul Casey. I mean, I, I can't really deny that uh, at all whatsoever. Um, it, it, it just right now, like the rest of it, will be seriously ownership plays. It's hard to say at this very moment. Yeah, for me, it's going to be like Casey and Grillo, and then Stenson and Rose are kind of debating ownership on how I make two out of three of those work or so. But um, I, I think you said Casey. It's hard to pass up on that price tag. It's just ridiculous. He's going to be 30% on plus. Yeah. Yeah. We'll have to figure it out elsewhere. Um, Bucks, who is winning the U.S. Open? Um, Outside of DJ, I am going to go 
real crazy and say Ian Poulter. <laughs> that is real crazy. Fucking hey, that's crazy, man. That's awesome. Uh, what about you, Jesse? I'm going to go even crazier. I'm going to say Team Science, Bryson DeChambeau. Oh, oh my goodness. <laughs> All right. Um, <laughs> I like DJ a lot. I like Justin Rose quite a bit. But if we're going to take long shots like you two did, uh, give me some Ustazen. I like Ustazen a lot. God. I like him. Hey, man. This is, those, those are some good calls. I like those calls. Somebody post it. I'll post them right now. You got to put your balls out there a little bit. We had some fun with it. But all right, gentlemen, any final thoughts, any words of encouragement or advice as we get ready for the U.S. Open this week? One thing I would say, if you're playing the Millie, uh, leave some money on the table. We talk about it just about every time we have a Millie or we have a big tournament. You know, if you leave at least 500 on the table, you're almost guaranteed to be different and not be duplicated. Um, and, and you really got to think – like you can't go full on board chalk this week. I really think you got to, if you take one or two chalky guys, 20 plus projected guys, you got, you've got to get some guys below 10 um, just to make yourself a little bit different, but also give yourself a chance, you know, when those chalky miscuts do happen. Cause I think it's going to happen again this week. U.S. Open. How about you bucks? Um, yeah, I think this week is really tough because of the pricing, but I really don't think outside of a few guys that ownership percentages are, are going to be too high because pricing so soft. So don't get too caught up in ownership. Worry about it. If you have to make a pivot, uh, like if you have two guys that are rated like the exact same, then maybe base it off of ownership and pivot to the lower guy. Uh, but it all depends on what you play. But outside of that, man, pick guys that you are comfortable with and enjoy the tournament because it's going to be carnage and it's going to be fun to watch. Yeah, it's going to be great to watch. Uh, definitely, obviously, the goal every week is to get six to six. But this week, more than ever, is maybe not go for the crazy crazy until you have to. But uh, yeah, and and you mentioned enjoy the coverage because Fox is going to show us so much golf. Yeah, man. Yep. So much golf. So that's, awesome. that's a great point. So let's enjoy it. And hopefully and I know no one's listening that cares and uh, it won't matter, but hopefully someone from like NBC or CBS is paying attention to this. Cause that'd be awesome, but <laughs> they won't be, uh, they won't be. So with that being said, check out the podcast on Twitter at always press DFS bucks is at BP snow 11. Jesse is at DFS golf gods. Good luck to everybody this week. This was your always pressing PGA DFS preview of the U S open. Anybody ever wonder when